Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. Today, our special guest is Andrea Collins, the VP of Marketing at Hippo, the blazing hot insurance company. Before Hippo, she was VP of Communications and PR at Policy Genius. Andrea is an award-winning public relations and marketing professional with more than 15 years of experience spanning various industries and both B2C and B2B brands. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. So let's start a little bit because the insurance industry seems to be accelerating away from State Farm and Farmers Insurance, even though we see tons of television commercials for those big brands. There are uh, a number of new brands out there that seem to be more tech savvy or uh, internet only. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think we're seeing is Hippo. Tell us about Hippo. Is Hippo part of that trend? Uh, What's the history there? How is it different in the marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think you you hit on one key thing that uh, I was well aware of as I started within this industry. And I think a lot of other insure techs have had to deal with, insure tech marketers have had to deal with, which is unaided awareness is key. And uh, particularly across insurance and financial sectors. But I don't think of it so much as a insure tech is battling a what we call legacy player, I think that there's a great opportunity for all boats to rise. So let me tell you a little bit about Hippo to contextualize that. So Hippo's singular focus is on the home, um, which is the most important financial asset that most Americans own, certainly my largest financial asset. Um, And we began by building home insurance coverage that's we knew homeowners needed. So it's much more tailored to today's homeowners. And We did that, but the founders literally originally went to the departments of insurance across a variety of different states, dug through records of claims and concerns, and made sure that our coverage was reflective of what people considered um, necessary to include in policies. So although uh, fur coats and pewter bowls were included in original traditional coverage, um, we actually looked at that and said, Nobody owns those items anymore. Let's replace that with things like home electronics, home appliances, um, things that keep your home running. So first we built a better policy um, and we call that modern coverage. And then we turned our sights onto playing the role of a partner for homeowners. So we're not just a backstop for when things go wrong. We're making good on our vision of protecting the joy of homeownership through a range of proactive and customer-focused products that I can tell you about in just a minute. So that's a really, it's a very different approach and different way of thinking about Hippo. Um, and I think that, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I think that uh, what I've brought on the marketing side um, is unique to the insure tech space and certainly plays a role into how our approach comes off really differently than than a legacy carrier, for example. So My background is as a storyteller. Um, I started first in journalism and PR and then um, grew into marketing and communications practices. And I found a lot of success in my um, decades long career to drive better products and opportunities into the market. Um, I'm a really mission driven marketer. So 
I push myself in the companies I work with, uh, with a constant need to learn as we grow and then strategically shift, of course, from those insights. Um, I think once you stop learning and growing, the market's going to outpace you and you're going to be left in the dust. So it's a different way of thinking about the marketing approach um, than companies that have been doing this for literally a hundred years. <laughs> so uh, I was really lucky to be on the early side of this fintech evolution. Um, and I dove into InsureTech in its infancy. I started with a well-known InsureTech marketplace called Policy Genius back in 2015, as you mentioned. And uh, what drew me to Hippo four years ago as their first marketing hire is our deep focus on the customer and shifting the industry to encourage more impactful relationships with the end customer. So my first order of business was defining a clear and crisp narrative for our long-term success. And I would say that is certainly my specialty as a marketer. And um, I want to make sure that our target, target audiences are not only engaged, but they're eager to see our vision play out. As a homeowner, that makes a huge difference to me. Um, and now my role, of course, includes everything from strategic guidance on planning from public company narratives and marketing strategies to investor engagement and brand campaigns. But what gets me out of bed in the morning and where I think Hippo is going to continue to differentiate is our deep focus on the homeowner, not as a policyholder, but as somebody who should find enjoyment um, and a better life in their home. So that's a great story to tell uh, the world. How have you decided to do that? How do you break out? Like you said, you're competing against bigger, better, well-known companies that are spending seemingly billions of dollars on television commercials. Um, how do you get that story out there? How do you effectively tell it? Do you, do you use digital, social? Uh, how, how is that working? Yeah. So, I mean, as you can imagine, over four years, the, our objectives, our budgets, and our growth trajectory has changed. I've been with the company from Series A to IPO. So, um, so I think that initially our focus really had to maintain on education um, because we are a challenger brand. We are looking at uh, homeowners in a whole new way, and we're asking them to behave differently throughout their journey with us. And so we have to educate and engage before we even sell. And so a lot of it was on upstream top of funnel channels, um, but driving education with long form content um, and then segmenting that audience in a really, really smart way. So we were not doing any sort of spray and pray tactics. As I mentioned, learning and growing is the ethos that I drive all of marketing strategies through. So um, we had to learn from every single campaign we were doing. In terms of the channel mix, that has absolutely changed over time. And um, we do have a really strong uh, middle and bottom funnel um, campaigns running currently that uh, gives a, give us a really nice understanding of how our audience segments are, are performing. But holistically, it's about refining each of those messages and educational tools over time. So t talk to me a little bit more about the the education piece and how that is delivered. Do you, are you advertising a, a community idea and then driving them to uh, your, your site where you have long form educational content that they can, that they can experience? 
or how, how, how is it being carried out? Sure. So um, there's a variety of methods that we use to educate. Um, up front, we use PR at the top of the funnel and uh, some brand campaigns speaking in our current marketing mix. And PR and a lot of the owned content pieces, um, and I'm boiling, you know, syndicated content and uh, content affiliates and all of that kind of into our owned um, channels. All of that is distributed under three key messaging pillars, um, growth, innovation, and technology. And then once we capture those audiences and um, develop the right consumer messaging to to kind of pull them along on the journey, we're building out, we have a learning center, a series of different guides, a lot of SEO strategies that pull them into the site, give them additional information. And then obviously there's a review system and and a variety of different um, kind of middle funnel tactics that we use to drive the same messaging through, throughout their journey. And, um, and then ultimately they're passed off to the bottom of the funnel. So, uh, Again, the channel mix has changed so much, but right now we we use PR as a major lever um, in kind of the broad education and who we are explanation. And then we use a lot of the content pieces to get people there. And then obviously the brand builds frequency and uh, reach throughout television, radio, a variety of different channels. So can you tell me a little bit about what you're finding uh, in the data and how you're refining these messages for different audiences. So for instance, you know, uh, I would think your audience is homeowners. Uh, hopefully all home homeowners want to enjoy <laughs> the ownership <laughs> of their home. Uh, so I would think, Hey, it's everybody who owns a home, but how are you finding, uh, different audiences, uh, thinking about hip hop? Yeah. So it, it, you're obviously um, slightly jaded and potentially part of our key audience. <laughs> a lot of people, they connect the moment they walk in their front door the first time or that experience they go through when they actually purchase their home as joyful. We'll take, we'll take the mortgage process out of it for now, but they, there's a excitement, there's a pride, there's a thrill built in with that. And Then they think of insurance, mortgage, a lot of the pieces that play a role in protecting that home or paying for the home um, as necessary evils. And we're turning that on its head a bit, but it doesn't work for all audiences. There's a lot of audiences that don't necessarily connect with that initial joy. They think of their home as, um, in particular, their home insurance as uh, as something that just kind of have to keep going. And they don't want to work on their home. They don't want to necessarily better pieces. Uh, And so it really is a refined audience. A lot of people think we target just millennials, which is way off base. (laughs) Um, We do have a a nice audience that falls into um, everywhere from, you know, 20 to 60. And they're looking for a better future within their home. Now, as you can imagine, talking to people throughout subway rides or, or whatever day to day in New York, not everybody looks at their home the same. So you would be surprised. It's not as big of a slice of the audience as you might think. Interesting. And so, um, I talked to a lot of my friends. I've lived in New York city for a long time, but during COVID, I actually lived out in the suburbs a lot. 
and a lot of things have happened, not, not just including COVID, especially this year with, with hurricanes and flooding and things like that. And friends who live uh, near the water and all these types of things. We actually talk about insurance a lot these days. Uh, flood insurance, homeowners insurance. Uh, a friend of mine was building an addition and a tree fell on the addition before it was finished and on and on and on. All these things are happening now. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, insurance is one of those things where um, you do feel like the current environment or the, or the, the, the status quo is uh, I get the house and then I have to get some home homeowners insurance. And I don't really think too much more other than am I in a flood zone? I need to get flood insurance. If I'm not, I get the homeowners insurance and I sort of understand all the little bitty pieces, but it's, it's like a checkbox, right? I'm not that educated about the differences between this, um, uh, company and that company and this policy and that policy. So, so it's fascinating to me about that. I, I feel like I need a lot more education on that. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's things about hippo that I find really interesting. Like, you give everybody, is this true? You give everybody a, uh, a, a smart home kit. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so what's yeah. that about? Yeah. So <laughs> I appreciate that you're, you're willing to be educated. I think that's, that's <laughs> half, half our battle, right? So you, a lot of people have to have experiences or cocktail conversations with friends. Um, well, about well, I mean, I guess, I guess the thing is, you know, we really, hopefully you're smart enough to really think hard about it because you're buying something that is basically your biggest investment slash savings account. Like you said, it's, uh, uh, it's a fine, it's not just your home, but it is a financial, uh, safety net that you want to protect, but really you're not really thinking that much, or maybe you are, maybe, maybe people are just, uh, really, really worried all the time about their homes. Uh, So anyway, please. Yeah. I mean, you're, there's two really good points there. One is, is the pandemic and what that forced um, kind of within homes and within homeowners mindsets, um, what that forced from a change dynamic, which I can hit on. And then the second is just how people can start thinking about some of these financial products a little differently, more as partners and shared ownership. And that's really where we've been doubling down. So we call it a proactive approach to home ownership. And what we're trying to do is we're taking this, um, you know, for centuries, home insurance has been considered a transactional experience. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to make it less adversarial and beneficial to both, both sides of the table. So people are responding really positively to some of the key programs that we've already rolled out um, in this approach. You hit on one. Um, we developed the most widely adopted home insurance smart home program in the U.S. And we've shipped more than half a million smart home devices to our customers to date. And those devices allow people to educate themselves. All we get is the data on whether these devices are on or off, which uh, if they are on, that includes a discount because you should be rewarded for taking better care of your home. But you get, as the homeowner, all of the data on how your home is doing. Like, what is the health of your home? Is there a leak by the water heater, which is the most common area? Is there a, um, is there a garage door left open because your kid went to school and forgot to close the garage door? So those are the types of things that force accidents to happen or 
additional damage in areas that you may not be, uh, that may not be visible all the time. And, and those are the huge headaches homeowners face. But the one that I get super excited about is called Hippo Home Care. Um, and we saw immediate traction when we launched this in 2019. We acquired a company called Shelter. Um, and the company at the time, pre-pandemic, was going into homes every six months and doing a three-hour home checkup. It's about 30 different points that they went through and said, okay, well, the primary cause, the leading cause of home fires is that people don't clean their dryer vents. So let's go check and see if the dryer vent is cleaned. And if it's not, we'll do that quick sweep here. And then they give you a checklist to say, these are the things that you need to do on a quarterly basis or on a whatever biannual basis. And, uh, and then we'll follow up to see if you'd like us to come back. So we acquired the company, the pandemic hit shortly after. So we transitioned this into a telemaintenance service. So we walk with people through their homes on video service and do this checkup. But we've also built in this entirely separate um, and very uh, successful program of reacting to issues as they happen. So if you say, Jeremy sees a leak in the basement and calls us and says, okay, there's a leak in a basement. And there's also some bumping in the wall. What do I do? And so you have a video, a home pro on video to go down there and say, okay, you need to shut off. Here's your water valve. You need to shut off your water valve. And then it's actually air stuck in the pipes. That's what's causing the thumping. So let's try and clean that out. And if that doesn't clean out, I'm going to call somebody locally for you to help you get that resolved. So we're a partner in trying to make sure that your home is well cared for. So it doesn't become a nuisance or, or, or difficult. It becomes something that you actually want to, to take care of. So I, those are key pieces to the proactive approach. Obviously, severe weather-prone areas um, and those types of things. We have specialized systems to proactively alert people um, of issues that may be coming into to their area, help them set up hotels outside of areas, things like the wildfires of California or the freeze in Texas um, are major events where, where we've acted quickly and had these task force built up to proactively manage homeowners um, in times of need, but the proactive pieces that help people kind of get ahead of this is the stuff that we're, uh, we're continuing to build out and, and get excited about. Uh, it makes total sense, but let's, let's talk about, uh, the, the climate change, you know, the freezing of Texas, the hurricane Ida that didn't just flood, uh, the coast, it flooded everywhere, in the middle and, and then back again onto the East coast, you know, rivers overflowed, all those types of things. It just seems like, um, destruction of property is becoming a, a common discussion point. Uh, how, how does that, how do you see that? You know, we, I think, uh, my friends in Florida, they've, they've gone through this for a long time. They can't get flood insurance for their homes. They used to, and then, and then they had a couple bad years and everybody pulls out and now they have to get minimal coverage from the government. You know, how, how do you maybe personally feel about that? And how, how does the company feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, climate change is a very real issue. Um, 
I grew up in California and it has been, it was a topic in schools when I, I was in elementary school. Um, it's very, very uh, near and dear to, to my heart in terms of, um, in terms of some of the global policies uh, that we've been developing as, as a nation and then um, kind of holistically against it. But looking at home insurance within that context, we've really come at this looking it through the lens of the consumer. And what consumers need to know is how their, cha- their region or their neighborhood is changing and how the risk in their area is evolving because climate change is, um, in my opinion, speeding up. And, uh, and policies, home insurance policies are typically written at the time of the purchase and what we call underwritten. And, uh, and so the underwriter looks at your neighborhood, sometimes just your region or your state, depending on how they cut the data sets. Mm-hmm. And they say, this is your risk. And okay, good luck for the next 10 years. We're not going to come back to you unless you come back to us. So I think one of the major differentiators for us, both on the data side from a product integration perspective and customer um, experience within climate change itself is that we actually look at real-time data. We use aerial imagery and on an at least annual basis, unless um, more often is necessary and in some areas it is, we go back to the policyholder and say, this is your current risk. This is how your area has changed. We're not using the 100-year-old flood maps. We're using real-time flood maps. And we're looking at wind exposure. We're looking at wildfire risk. We're looking at everything in your area so that you can stay better informed. And then what that does on the back end, which unfortunately your friends had to face in Florida, is it avoids them from having to find new coverage because they're not fully covered or letting their coverage outdate. and Outdated coverage is what drives a lot of these storylines around these huge sweeping wildfires, for example. And then you read these terrible stories after about these people that were not well protected, right? Their coverage did not cover what they thought it did. And so mm-hmm. that's the other piece of that annual update is we say, also, we noticed on aerial imagery, you have a pool in the back of your house. You actually need liability insurance in case there's a kid next door who jumps in the pool and hits his head. Like, that's a very real concern that for whatever $2 a month you could resolve, or obviously you put in a new roof and you forgot to tell us, well, that's a discount that you're going to get next year. So it's keeping the coverage updated. So if unfortunately something does happen, that you're fully covered, you can either rebuild or um, take the next steps. And then it's evaluating the risk in a more real-time way so that you're not stuck in five, 10 years going, why didn't anyone tell me that all of a sudden I was in a flood zone? I would have looked at flood insurance. Yeah, uh, it sounds very proactive. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> that sounds, that's, that's, again, makes total sense. All right, so one of the last things I love to cover because I think it's a, it's a, especially in New York city and for young people, I hear a lot of talk about, um, these other insure tech companies that you can get insanely cheap, uh, renters insurance and, and just, it just seems like too good to be true. You know, what, what is, what's that? I mean, uh, hippo seems to be like 
a real insurance company that takes this, you know, takes this really seriously and is is uh, a partner in this whole thing. But how are how are these other insure tech companies doing what they're doing? I think Hippo stands alone in terms of our marriage of insurance and technology to both be equally weighted within our business with the primary goal of providing the best coverage and service for our customers. Not every insure tech is created equal on that metric. And I can't speak to specific company offerings, uh, but I can say that the age-old model inside of insurance and a lot of financial products that I'm sure you've been exposed to as well um, of looking at just price shoppers and then trying to build from there comes with a lot of difficulties in the, in the long run and builds a very, very um, difficult path ahead for anybody who's not just looking at a pure growth model. So um, I, you know, I say always check the policy behind the company, make sure that you're doing a really good job of validating the insurance itself. There's a lot of really smart ways to do that online. And then take advantage of the price when you can, um, but make sure you're getting the, the coverage that you need. I think, as I mentioned in the climate change um, considerations, particularly with home, but even with smaller items like renter's insurance, right? Where you're not looking at covering a whole house, you're just looking at covering the contents in it. That's still a potential bankruptcy bankruptcy factor if you saved $5 a month for the last two years, but when you try and use it, you only have coverage for half your stuff. Right. It's a big difference. So I, right. I just encourage people to be smart about their research. So it seems from an insure tech perspective and, and, and all the things that you've spoken about, about proactivity and using satellite imagery and all those types of things, smart kits, it seems like you're, you want, you started off, Hey, we're going to make this proactive. How are we going to do that? Technology is going to enable us to do that at scale. Uh, it's going to allow us to automate a lot of those features for us and, and make this financially viable. Does that, does that, is that accurate? Yeah. Holistically. I mean, I think our path was, uh, was a little different than what you laid out there, but holistically that's, that's our overall approach. I think the financial viability really, again, leans into that coverage, um, piece and the risk that where you bought a house depends on what level of risk that you have or a condo or, uh, um, investment property. And, uh, and I think that you really want to work when it gets down to it with a company who understands and can evaluate your risk on your behalf appropriately. So I think of course, financial products are always, um, balanced against price shoppers, but that's not the the game that we're playing currently. Interesting. So to finish up, we're running out of time. Tell us a little bit about what's next for Hippo. You guys uh, got to go IPO, New York <laughs> Stock Exchange. That's exciting. I I uh, can speak from my own experience of going down there. And uh, I was at Rubicon Project when we went public. It was pretty pretty fun day. Um, congratulations on that. But what what's next? Thanks. Yeah. I mean, the IPO was obviously a major milestone for us, but it's really just the beginning. Um, as I was working with the CEO on his speech for that, I was thinking, good gosh, like we are 
I've been through uh, what feels like six different companies over my four years with Hippo. Yeah. So, uh, so knowing that we've got this incredible opportunity and body of work ahead of us was exhausting until I took a small break, and now it's very exciting. <laughs> um, but we're focusing on, on empowering the homeowners, and um, and we want them to be more educated. Uh, for the betterment of themselves and their home, it's really helping helping all boats rise in terms of building a more educated um, homeowner base, which makes for a better customer for any company. So as long as we can help avoid claims from happening in the first place, we're going to continue to focus on that. And, and really a big part of my role and something I'm excited about is to build in-house teams and a marketing organization that delivers even more impact and value to a public brand. So uh, next year is going to be super exciting. We're building out a national brand campaign and um, getting to, to keep insurance uh, top of mind, but maybe make it a little bit sexy. So keep your eyes peeled. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Andrea. I'm Jeremy Fain. This has been another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you very much.